Welcome to Open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with my good buddy, Martin Willis. How are you, Martin? I'm doing good. Hello, everyone. All right. And thank you, everyone who's joining. My sister's in here, Carrie. Oh, Carrie. Uh, yeah. In fact, one of uh, your sister's our new great. Buddy, um, unidentified celebrity review, whose first name I lost just now. I was checking out your stuff, actually, your site, uh, some cool stuff. Uh, so check him out. But uh, thanks for being in. Renee, Jesse, uh, Rodrigo's here. Portugal. I keep forgetting. Uh, welcome. Uh, Hector's here. Cool. All kinds of people popping in. Canoodles. So let's talk some UFOs. That's what this is all about. Uh, but I guess I should say hello and how are you, Martin? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I've been, I've been working, which is uh, something mm -hmm. unusual you know, and the mm -hmm. way uh, this COVID yeah. thing is and everything. You usually so. just kind of hang out and gallivant around. Yeah. I'm always very busy doing something, <laughs> but uh, I actually just got back from a long road trip. So, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. To where? Yeah. All down and all down through Massachusetts, which is, you know, where mm -hmm. I had to go is, you know, four hours away. And then I had to go a bunch of different places. So, yeah, it's mm -hmm. been two days of driving, driving, driving. Wow. So it's been crazy for you. Yeah. 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 Well, welcome back, my friend. Yeah. Very good. Great to see you. Um, I don't know. Canoodles often talks about some interesting stuff, but he says eight sightings, no answers. Not sure what you're referring to, but feel free to elaborate and we'll see if we can talk about that. Uh, yep. Uh, Martin's been out there selling antiques, something exciting that he does. Oh, looking at. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, looking at them. Yeah. Because you uh, price them. I appraise them. I appraise, uh, ar appraise art and antiques. And so mm -hmm. I did looked at a museum today. And yeah, it's been interesting. So uh, this is something good to get into. So we'll start off with this, the phenomenon. Of course, we've talked about this before. However, this is the first time that Martin and I are able to talk to our audience about it while you all have had the opportunity to see it. Because a phenomenon, right. a great documentary about UFOs, mostly focusing on kind of the government's uh, role. And it is kind of interesting now that I think about it. For the most part, it's laid out about the U.S. government's kind of um, role in looking into UFOs. Then, of course, it brings it up to date by looking into ATIP and the Pentagon program. Um, so you have Luis Elizondo in there. Great interviews with um, with uh, uh, Chris Mellon and Harry Reid, John Podesta, um, some really good stuff there. And then it kind of ends, it goes off topic. And at first I thought it was kind of strange, 
but I guess it's just where it fits because it's not even a United States case. It ends with covering the Rewind counter yeah. uh, from Zimbabwe, uh, the aerial schooling counter from uh, the 90s. Was it 94? Um, I think it is 94. Mm -hmm. yeah, I always get it confused, either 94 or 92, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it was 94, yeah. So really great, um, really great uh, documentary. I thought it was very well put together, um, uh, very compelling. I think especially for people who aren't familiar with all of this. And then there's a couple topics in there that are really important. Of course, uh, I think my audience understands kind of what these issues are because I've been bringing these issues, these very issues up with uh, all of my Rojas report interviews lately talking with people who understand how the government works and uh, i think some of those topics were brought up in here and we'll get to those in just a second because uh people have certainly been questioning me about some of that stuff i think they find it boring but so be it it's kind of uh the reality of kind of where all this stuff is right now but uh yeah as far as the ruwan counter goes there's been a few people actually asking me about it one person even said i think i even saw one of the witnesses being interviewed at the UFO Congress. That's correct. Uh, Emily Trim was interviewed at the UFO Congress a couple of years ago. She was a witness. And then just this year, uh, I interviewed um, uh, Salma Zidik, and you were with me, um, yeah. helping me out with that. And so we got to talk to her at this year's UFO Congress. So um, you can get, if you go to the ufocongress.com, You'll be able to click on a link that says UFO videos. You can even do that. Uh, well, yeah, UFO videos. You can get there from Open Minds. I'm not sure where I put the link now that I think about it. But you can get there from Open Minds, and then you could go watch the Emily Trim uh, interview, which was spectacular. I mean, it was so good, very emotional. Yeah, she gets um, very emotional. Yeah. Yeah, and she even got emotional in the phenomenon, or not in the phenomenon, or was it the phenomenon? Yes, yeah. a little bit. She yeah. did. And I know she does also in the, the Ariel school. Um, mm. Whenever that is uh, the Ariel phenomenon. I mean, I'm sorry. Which is another whenever that film gets out, but you can see it in the trailer. Yeah. The Ariel phenomenon is a documentary that's been in the works for quite some time by Randall eight Nickerson. Years. Eight yeah, years. at least eight years. I think it's been longer than that. I think it's Probably. been at least 15, 20 years. I mean, when I <laughs> read, I yeah. met Randall Nickerson for the first time, it was to talk about this film and that had to be, that was, well, that was, well, 2009, I was with Open Mind, so it was a long time ago. <laughs> it's been 2013, when you and I hung out for the first time. North Carolina? Yeah, he was, uh, he was into it for a while, so I guess you're right. It's yeah. a lot more than seven years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I jokingly said, you should really release a film before the kids turn 40. <laughs> <laughs> and so. You know, you were kidding, but hopefully that's it. Yeah. So, I think, uh, you know, it's just the reason that isn't out yet is because he's just, I'm, I'm trying to talk to him to see what it is, but it's because of, you know, the COVID he's worried about it, but I think it's an ideal time. And really a thermometer for this is what uh, the phenomenon that just was released by James Fox. And uh, although we don't really know how well that's doing yet. So we'll um, it's really getting the coverage. I don't know if you saw that CNN picked it up and it's, it's getting some, you know, it's getting coverage, it's getting but that doesn't always translate into viewership. Um, yeah. 
So we'll have to wait and hopefully it is successful. I personally have not heard. I know you've got an upcoming interview with James Fox. I have a couple upcoming interviews with James Fox. So hopefully he'll have more information about that. Um, I just got a text back from him just now, but it was only a thumbs up. I was trying to get more information <laughs> how how it's doing. Um, but, you know, he's he's pretty busy. He's probably on an interview right now. <laughs> yeah. So he's doing a lot of them. Other people yeah. are mentioning there was a uh, part in the phenomenon. Uh, I believe it was a Canadian case. Uh, it's a case I've been aware of for quite some time. It was It's an interesting UFO photo that I've seen. I personally have not known a whole lot about it. And unfortunately, it's hard, especially with the more spectacular photos from the past, to really put much stock into them. But thankfully, uh, in the movie, uh, they examined this case more closely and have footage of the witness. Uh, and that image turns out to be a Polaroid. And uh, I agree, a lot of people are saying that was one of my favorite parts. It was, it was very compelling. Oh, people have read. I, I thought that too. Um, you and I talked a bit about it. Mm -hmm. I have I had the picture on my desktop. I put it in, in the, uh, uh, in a text. And you and I were chatting about it. Basically, that's right. You brought it up. Yeah, that is really a that that image is so amazing. Another thing in the film um, was the Kenneth Arnold sighting. What his daughter said about what they shared with his with her father. Mm. Is the image taken a few months after in Texas or no Phoenix? Yeah, although that's a that's another well known case. That's like one of the very, if not the first, blue book case. So really, um, mm. that's not a mysterious case at all. Um, but yeah, that was in Phoenix. In fact, there's a local researcher who's done. A, it's really funny. He's done a great job. His name is uh, Don Booty. He is a Arizona Mufon member. And he's done a great job investigating that case. He's even gone to the house where the sighting took place. It was essentially an object that looked like the heel of a shoe that flew across yeah, the sky. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he got a couple pictures of it because I've been looking into this case for a long time because it's one of the first blue book cases. Um, and in fact, if you go to, I think, Fold 5, is that the name of the site? Fold 4? It's how you fold the American flag. I can't remember when someone passes, but it's a military document uh, website that's a part of ancestry.com um, and they've got the blue book files there so you could go look at the pictures and the analysis that they have there but uh, yeah it's a really interesting case so that was interesting um, but yeah a really good film um, a couple of the th things that I had on there I guess the one thing that I'll talk about I, I think that'll pertain to some of the stuff we'll talk about a little later that I have brought up were Chris Mellon's comments. One of the things that has been kind of debated, and I've brought this up quite a bit um, with the people I've been interviewing is uh, this idea of whether or not there are uh, black projects that are not under the normal scope of uh, oversight. Um, in other words, the way people have been putting it, are there Black projects, you know, special access projects that even Chris Mellon could not get to. Hmm. Originally, Chris Mellon said that wouldn't be possible. And Unless way, they're private. Well, no. Well, the, we're not talking about private. We're talking about government programs. I know. Um, that unless they're privatized. Well, an they, SAP is a government program. Okay. Um, 
a private program is that that would not be on the records because it's not a government program. This would be a private program. Um, and that's, that's this because the heart is what does the military know and what is the military working on? Um, one of the more interesting conversations that came up on this topic was through um, Tyler Rogaway started kind of this Twitter debate on this. And uh, surprisingly, he was in support that it's possible, whereas a lot of the other people in the chat, uh, people like Nick Pope or um, Chris Mellon actually had a comment. In fact, it might have been his comment that started this whole thing. But others were skeptical. Because of the implications, I think in the UFO field, we take it for granted. Uh, of course, that sort of thing happens. Uh, a lot of people in the UFO community claim, but they don't understand the implications of what they're saying. Um, that that's not, that would be a huge deal. Um, that would be rogue squared. That would be a major, um, you know, uh, uh, infraction that, you know, government dollars are being spent without any oversight from, um, from mm -hmm. Washington. And, mm -hmm. and surprise, you know, people think, oh, well, uh, they can't know about all the black. Yes, they do know about all the black projects. That was Chris's job. Uh, first of all, and there was some conversation about this. That's interesting, I think. First of all, the military briefs people like the Senate Intelligence Committee on what's going on um, in intelligence. Um, but they decide what to brief them on. And that was kind of one of the issues is that they weren't briefing them on UFOs. Uh, you know, a lot of people would think, argue, oh, well, that was a major thing, big deal that they didn't do that. Not necessarily, because I think we've got our UFO eyes on, not the general public or mainstream or government. They don't take UFOs seriously and uh, have no need to. Uh, Chris Mellon made a comment uh, on Twitter that this was, a, this was a big deal, that they didn't share some important vital intelligence information with the uh, Senate. That doesn't mean they were doing something illegal. That just means that they had, uh, they disagree about the importance of this information uh, or how to handle it. They disagree with Chris Mellon. Chris Mellon, when he found out about ATIP, wanted to help Luis Elizondo get that information up the wire, he said, to people like uh, Luis's boss, which was the Secretary of Defense um, at the time, General Mattis. And Chris Mellon said he couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. Wow. Uh, the people that are in between them uh, and Mattis, who decide whether that go infor information goes up, you know, the Secretary of Defense staff decided that it wasn't important enough. <laughs> Their choice to make that um, is up to them. And who knows? We have not heard from Mattis. Mattis may agree. It seems like the president agrees. The president says he doesn't really believe in UFOs or take this that seriously. So, and, you know, Obama did the same thing. He obviously didn't take it that seriously. So it's not a surprise or that much of a shocker that's the, that's the case. But what's beautiful about what Chris Mellon's been able to do is that he was able to show that the Navy do take this seriously and they do investigate it. Um, so then he was able to take that information to say and, and, and hold briefings with senators or their staff and show this is why we take it seriously. And they agreed with him. And so the Senate intelligence is saying, we agree. This is something you haven't told us about. We want to know. Give us more info. And that's where we are. They're asking for more info. When they get that info, 
they may not feel that it's that big of a deal. Or they may say, well, military, you have uh, demonstrated to us that you've got this issue well at hand. You do what you do. The DOD's uh, told a couple of researchers recently that, you know, all of these UAP uh, task force investigations are classified and the results are classified. So that's could be where things lie. And that's why this is so important. Um, in the movie, Chris Mellon spoke to the issue of potential programs. And he didn't say that they exist. He says, um, it, it's possible and that's the issue. And you can tell he was uncomfortable and, and he, sa he says that is the issue, meaning that that is the important issue. If that is going on, it is a big, big deal. Um, it is undermining the government. It's undermining the mechanizations of our democracy. It is a really big deal. So you can't just say it's happening and be blasé about it, especially if you are a government person or uh, making these allegations against somebody. Um, and that could be what Chris Mellon's looking into now. Is this going on? And if it is, who's doing it? Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll see if they take these sort of accusations any further or if it just kind of dies on the vine. Now, what's interesting, though, is that Tyler Rogaway's perspective is that this could be going on, but the cover-up isn't alien. The cover-up is this extraordinary technology that we've developed that we're hiding from, um, that we're hiding from the public. And so that's where his mind is. And he's right. If these programs um, exist, these off-the-record programs exist, then they, uh, they could be hiding tech. But these are government military programs. To Martin's point, there could be projects that are handled by private industry. So they're not government-related. And then those don't have to be disclosed. And the tie-in could be, potentially, um, but here's where the problem with that is, at least in this degree, is that, okay, I've got, I found a, a piece of alien technology. I can't do anything with this in the government um, without people knowing about it. So I'm going to give it away to Lockheed Martin and you do what you want to do with it. That's very unlikely because that person is then giving up control. Um, that person technically would be incumbent to probably reveal what they did. And, but the control thing's the big one because now Lockheed Martin can do whatever they want. They can sell that technology to China, Russia. Uh, they can do, you know, they can do whatever they want with that technology or just build products for the American public toys, whatever, and make tons of money off of it. Um, but couldn't they be, like, couldn't the government give something like that to a private company with stipulations? You know, like, they can't do that, they can't sell it to China, or they can't, you know, I mean, it seems no. like they wouldn't just hand it over to them. Because that would be on the record. That I would see. be a, uh, for mm. instance, a, um, even if that information was kept secret, it would be on the record 
and it would be something obtainable by Chris Mellon. I see. Um, so mm. that's the point because everything governmental is, is on the record, you know, it's somewhere, even if it's classified, even if it's later destroyed, which what, you know, this is a response that actually John Greenwald got recently that we probably destroyed a lot of our UFO records because we didn't really care about them. Um, mm. John Greenwald got a response around that, you know, fairly recently. Um, so, and that sort of thing happens is, you know, records get destroyed on a regular basis. So I wonder why, do you think it's just because of there's such a massive amount of records and they, they just weed out what they don't think is important or yeah, does it happen? I think a lot of that sort of thing happens, hmm. um, you know, and it could be possible. Let's say Roswell's real, for instance, nobody can find anything about it. Well, it could be somebody destroyed the records. It could be done as a conspiracy or it could be done, you know, someone ran across a file, Roswell. Oh, this is goofy crap. Let's throw that out. So, you know, um, which happens. Um, in fact, that is what happened with, uh, that's happened with data from NASA. I mean, there's an interview we got. We had Lee Spiegel do it because we had at the UFO Congress open when Open Minds owned it. We had a NASA astrobiologist. And he had talked about that, some information just getting thrown out that he felt was evident to that there were microbes on Mars, that, you know, there was life, uh, evidence wow. of life found. And uh, he feels that the person who destroyed it did it kind of like he he felt differently and was done with the controversy. Um, but this person did it because they felt that the data wasn't necessary or, or useful for the reasons that, you know, uh, Hoover, this other scientist did. So, I mean, there's, it, it can be subjective, I guess, is my point. It could be something that was important, but was thrown away by someone who is dismissive of the information. And of course, people are very dismissive about UFOs in general. So, um, and I think that's, you know, what we got to, we got to, and this is important. This is really important because this is where we are right now um, in this process, uh, governmental process when it comes with U to UFOs, which is somewhere we haven't been since, you know, the 1960s. There hasn't been a governmental UFO process for UFOs that we've been aware of. Right. And now we are. And that's why I keep telling people, if you want the Senate Intelligence Committee to make sure that UFO investigations continue and information is shared with the public, you got to let them know that this is really yeah. important to you. Because otherwise, I don't think they can gauge um, public interest. And they may feel like the public's fine with the government handling this. So we'll just, we'll just leave it to the military to take care of it. And to be honest, we don't know that that's not the case. We a lot of people love to read UFO articles when they're in mainstream publications, but we don't necessarily know that they're activists or advocates for a cover-up. They could be just fine with a lot of this information being classified. You know? Um, did you, you notice? Go ahead. Did Did you notice at the end of the phenomenon film? Uh, James had that call to action. Yes. I thought that was yeah. great. I think that's really important. And Luis Elizondo wrote, wrote a medium article. Um, 
that people need to look up to the stars. I'll put a link to it um, after the show in the, the show notes, but um, Louise Elizondo wrote an article recently and I was, I'm hopeful that maybe, I don't know if it was inspired by some of these interviews and things I've been, but uh, it was right along the same lines saying, Hey guys, if you really want to advocate for this when you got to do something. All it takes, and, and some people, well, you know, think that it's going to be really involved. All it takes is uh, call, picking up the phone, making the call to um, to whatever state senator where you live, basically, and someone will just take a message. I mean, that's basically it. And if enough people do that, then they start looking at, hey, why are all these people, uh, you know, leaving this message? And, and it does you know. impact. It does matter. The yeah. Put a little tick mark, UFOs, registering, hey, there was someone who was interested in this that talked to me, that sent us a message. But if they get a lot, all of a sudden we've got 100 messages from constituents who are talking about UFOs, you know, and it's on their list of things. And as we've seen lately, uh, fortunately, I because of this change gone through in the last few years where UFOs are more credible, politicians are not as shy to talk on the talk, um, we've got both of the leaders of the intelligence committee, um, the majority leader, um, the Republican, um, and then of course we've got the uh, the minority leader also have been out talking UFOs and they're defending, you know, that yes, this is something important to look at and that's why we're looking at this. So. Um, yeah, we're in a unique time right now. We've got this window where right now the government, the intelligence committee is reviewing what to do with UFOs. This is really kind of our Condon committee moment right now. And so right now is why it's important to get that information to your to your um, politicians. Yeah. Um, do you think if uh, after, if there's a change, um, in the elections, you know, Trump is not elected and senators are, are not elected. Uh, I mean, there's a big change in, in through voting that it's going to change any of this, or do you think everything's set in place well enough? You know what? It's not like I have given this a ton of, I've given this a lot of thought, but I'm not so sure. I, I but I haven't really sat down and kind of, um, you know, given the real deep, meditation on it or something but i feel more and more like it doesn't matter um and here's why the senate intelligence committee uh, like i just mentioned it's the majority and minority leader they've they're on the same page um mm -hmm. what robert warner and um cruz rubio. or no rubio duh. yeah uh and so They've been saying essentially kind of the same thing. And um, I don't know that I see a real difference in approach by either party or either of the leaders that would be involved. Uh, you know, Trump had a nod towards Roswell, but it was kind of didn't make a lot of sense. And a lot of people felt that he meant Area 51. 51 he didn't yeah. to yeah. mention Roswell. Uh, however, previously he had said, I don't really believe in UFOs. I'll let the Navy handle that. Um, the When it comes to Biden, 
Biden is uh, hasn't really gotten into the UFO thing. John Podesta and Bill Clinton, of course, people he's worked with have. Uh, they have a strong interest, but Joe Biden has spoke to having a shared interest nor been involved with their interest. So I feel Hillary Clinton doesn't have an interest, but she did get uh, kind of involved, mixed up with some of this UFO research because she was, uh, while Bill Clinton was president, she was kind of saddled with the uh, being the interface with Lawrence Rockefeller, who was investigating UFOs and wanted more movement on UFOs. Uh, then, of course, when she ran for president, uh, her campaign manager, John Podesta, really prompted her to speak on UFOs, in which case she did a couple times. She uh, was asked but, at, uh, in New Hampshire from a reporter if she would look into it, and she said she would. She would, and she would be okay. transparent. But still, that that we haven't heard anything from Biden along those lines. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, someone mentioned, you know, they haven't heard Biden be asked that question. That's true. He so should we'll, be at the debate, the next debate. <laughs> Mark Warner, right, was the other guy. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. I don't see that there would be, and there may be, behind the scenes, there may be vast differences that we just have insight to. Um, but uh, Brian Bender, I think, is one person who has a little more insight because that, that's his thing, being a political yeah. writer, kind of having a pulse on the, the the rumor mill or what's going on. And he doesn't really see that there'd be much different either. So, But the good thing is, is that uh, I think overall that's a good thing, that there is momentum right now to continue with this. And I don't them being thwarted or, you know, brought by no matter what happens with the election or uh, the House or, or Senate. Hmm. Well, it'll be you interesting. Think differently? No, no. I just, I just had thought about that just, just now. Just what if so there's some type of shakeup and there's different people involved. Is that going to change anything? Mm -hmm. You know, and I know uh, when the refer the first report is due in April or something like that. Is that right? Uh, we'll see. I mean, they may get it out sooner. Yeah, the report. We'll see. Uh, some people have argued that the clock hasn't really started. Oh, um, OK. So we don't mm -hmm. know. Yet. But we do know they've put together the task force and they've essentially alluded that working on it. Probably yeah. sooner rather than later. But hmm. people are making some really great comment, uh, a really good note, which is that Kamala Harris is on the Senate Intelligence She made oh, that's that true. in yeah. the uh, interview the other day. But I wouldn't say, but we she still hasn't spoken to this issue. So although she's on the committee, it doesn't necessarily give us any uh, gauge, uh, we don't know how that affects anything. Um, I think the only thing that it affects is that she's been briefed, that she's aware of the, she's aware of what's going on in the Senate Intelligence Committee, and uh, that she will bring that awareness certainly to, you know, uh, Biden's administration. And hopefully she feels along the same lines as the leadership in the SSCI, which is that, you know, they want to continue on with this inquiry. 
So again, yeah. I'm kind of surprised Biden and Kamala haven't faced these questions, but uh, maybe they will. And I'm a bit surprised mainstream journalists haven't asked them about it because certainly, uh, you know, Rubio asked about it. Warner's been asked about it. Uh, Kamala would be the third most important people on that committee right now. She's the nominee or the uh, running for vice president. Um, so yeah, I'm a little surprised it hasn't been asked actually. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, there's so much going on in other, you know, other parts of politics. Uh, you know, yeah. it's probably not near the top of the list. To be yeah, I mean, yeah. especially with, yeah, there's new topics every day. So it might even be on some reporters list, but way down the line, I think. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of all the stuff related to where we are and the phenomena and, and all of that kind of thing. So um, it ought to be interesting, that's for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I've, I don't know about you. You you probably have too, but I've had a lot of people write me how um, how much they've enjoyed that film, I, uh, the phenomenon. But I will say if someone hasn't bought it yet and they're looking to buy it and they want the extras – to make yes. sure that you go to Apple TV or uh, is it called Ven Venmo? How do you say that? Venmo. Yes, Venmo. No, not Venmo. Vimeo. <laughs> Vimeo. Thank Venmo you. is the program. Okay. Yeah, Vimeo. So you want to on those two places you will get the extras, but if you buy it on Amazon, you're not going to, or on Vudu, you're not going to. So just uh, Apple and uh, Vin. Vimeo? How do you say that? Vimeo. Yeah. Those are the two places. So here's a theory. And I just want to read this because uh, I think that um, this is this kind of stuff that goes around. And I kind of want to share my uh, opinion on it and love to hear yours. But I do want to, yeah. I, I, but first, I want to emphasize what you just said. Apple TV, Vimeo. Go there to buy it because you get all the extras. Because one of our listeners, he's probably going to be listening. He went and bought it on a different app. Yeah. I can't remember which. And he Amazon. didn't get all the extras, which is a major bummer. And I didn't yeah. know about that either, that it was only Apple TV and Vimeo. Until he said that, uh, then I went and looked at the website and found out where it was you get all the extras. I didn't know you couldn't get the extras everywhere. So, yeah. yeah. That's a bummer. So do go there. Um, the other thing, here's the comment. I feel like we're going to, well, I think we're going to feel similarly about this one. Theory, Trump will get reelected and his son will push the red button and let Fox News break international lose news and declare it's true. Everything. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think there's zero evidence of that at all. Um, where, I, where was this comment? Was oh, it in just the someone chat? said that that's oh. kind of what's going around. They oh. said ufologist story. I think they're just saying, you know, that's kind of one of the buzz out there. Yeah, and I'm sure they're right. I'm sure people are thinking that. I mean, hmm. it's the UFO community. I think that's probably one of the least crazy theories going on out there. Um, but, yeah, I think there's absolutely zero evidence of that at all. Um in my humble opinion. So I wouldn't look towards that at all. In fact, I would look towards if Trump wins, uh, you know, things would probably be 
fairly chaotic uh, as usual as they've been for the last few years, but that things will continue as normal, you know, that the uh, intelligence committee will continue on what I'm is with their efforts. Um, and let's see if, if Biden wins. Um, if I kind of think personally, if Biden wins, the advantage would be there'll be less chaotic news stories. And what I mean by that is it will be business as usual talking four or five years ago, and there'll be less news stories, sensational news stories coming out of Washington. And so the benefit of that is perhaps then UFO news will get uh, prioritized a little more on when it comes to the news cycles out there and perhaps hopefully ufos will get more attention but i don't see biden or trump really uh pushing the ufo issue at all yeah i don't i don't i haven't seen any of that any signs of any of that um and you know these guys even if you're a conspiracy theorist um if you were the president you would probably be like hey Let's let them do their thing in the classified world. You know, let's just keep this under our hats, try to keep working on it and figuring stuff out, but let's not rock the boat and make this huge crazy. You know, I'd probably consider the Robertson panel and think I don't want to create too much of a stir in society. So I would think that that's kind of what they would want or look towards but again this is why we really if you're and this is what's frustrating if you're an if you consider yourself an activist in this field which i believe most people involved with this field do if you're part of the disclosure movement if you are you know which is a big buzzword and something people consider themselves if that's true this is your moment quit you know, theorizing about wild, crazy stuff that's not going to happen or about how this is the big disclosure coming and, you know, oh, wait till all of this is just going to come land in our laps. No, none of this ever lands in anybody's lap. All of the information we get towards the public it, or for the public is because individuals, motivated individuals have done hard work to get to ferret out this information and get it to the public. Those yeah. of you, no, now I'm gonna bag on these trolls that sit at home on Twitter, just tweeting all day long, criticizing everybody. Oh, Martin, Martin's so dumb. Ooh, those are the ones I really hate. Don't talk crap about Martin. But you know, they're sitting there complaining about everything and this is how I wish the world would be. This is how you should act. This is how, you know what, if you wanna actually have an effect then do activism activism is contacting people making either grassroots by getting information out which is kind of like what you and i are doing right now but also um getting a hold of your politicians the most effective people in this field are people who are in any of when it comes to activism active uh activism are people who are getting their messages out on a regular steady Call your congressperson every week, every month. Let them know this is what you're interested in, especially right now. And that's, I guess I'm kind of frustrated. I, I really don't feel like the UFO community is getting that at all right now. That This is the moment. Um, all right. So I guess get off my soapbox there. 
No, no, it's it's true. I mean, it really is. And I, I think maybe the reason people don't do anything is because they think, oh, it's just one voice. It's kind of like when people won't vote because it says just one vote. Um, but you know, it, if an if everyone felt that way, nothing would happen. You know, um, so it, it's all about the little pieces that add up. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. like we were saying earlier, if if one person calls, it's not going to make much of a difference. But you don't know who else is calling. Maybe exactly. there are a hundred people calling, mm -hmm. and so, now yeah. it's a hundred one. Good job, Sonia says. I sent an email to my congressperson. Pretty sure they're not going to respond. You don't know. You might be surprised, Sonia. They may respond, but even if they don't, they're going to know. They're going to know that you're interested. You're, they're going to tick that box. You're going to say, okay, we got an email letter on uh, or a letter on UFOs. Maybe there's more to Martin's point. You don't know who else is contacted. But, and to your point also, Martin, you know, it feels like, you know, I'm just one vote. I don't make a difference. Look at any major social movement out there. A lot of people saying, we need hearings. We need hearings. Look at all of the times we've gotten hearings in Congress for an issue. What inspired those things to happen? The public. The public raising their voices that they want the grassroots. to happen. Yep. Grassroots. Yep. I would say, what are some unpopular topics? Marijuana. Government didn't want to touch that. But it was people who were interested in the public who made them address it. Got those, you know, um, um, petitions out there. Got all of these votes uh, on the ballots throughout uh, different states. And look what's happening. Yeah. Um, you know, there's issue after issue after issue. That's what it takes. And that's what it's going to take. And I think it's possible. I think it's certainly possible. And maybe if it's not now, at some point, the public will really feel more motivated to do something. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see. But right yeah, now, we've got this amazing moment. There's also, they always say there's an influence by the lobbyists. Um, now, there were supposedly two people that were considering themselves UFO lobbyists. I haven't really heard much about that at all through all of this. Have, have you heard yeah, it? Yeah, you're right. Um, that would be Steve Bassett and um, uh, Chase Klitsky. Yeah. Both uh, yeah. UFO lobbyists. Oh, you know what? Gas mask brought up another topic, and this is a really great point. There was a lot of big money backers in cannabis. You know what? That is a really good point. Um, and this is why people have to quit complaining about UFOs as an industry. Any topic that people are really interested in becomes an industry. Hmm. Like it or not, it's a capitalist society. People are going to tap into what is popular and interesting to them and it's going to become an industry, and it's one of those steps that happens. It's got to happen. You need money to fund these sort of things. So don't complain when people are asking for money. If you don't want to pay Martin his $2 or whatever a month to see his archives, don't do it. But don't complain about doing it. Or me, which I'm only a buck fifty to listen to the audio. <laughs> My video ones are more, but not much more, but hit the join button. You know, don't, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. That's fine. 
but don't complain about it because what, especially people like Martin and I, um, you know, we're not doing this. We're doing this to get information out. Um, and let's say one of us goes big, you know, Martin's on Tucker Carlson is one of his favorite shows. (laughs) And he, and and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, I love this guy. He's awesome. And he gets a million subscribers. I can bet you that Martin is going to spend that money helping get more information out. That's what he does. Do kind of need a new car, but you know, yeah. Well, after the car, you're going to have enough to get a car (laughs) and still help out. Yeah. I mean, a really (laughs) nice car. (laughs) (laughs) Well, depending on how nice of a car he gets. Yeah. Whatever's left over, I'm pretty sure he's going to. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just think it is a really big deal, and um, <laughs> I don't think I got this joke. Somebody said, yeah, but the cruise industry has gone, Alejandro. There goes the UFO lobby. There's probably a joke there, and I'm sure it's funny, and I'm not getting it, and I'm going to love it once I get it. It's one of those times, you know, you hear a joke, and you're like, I know yeah. I'm not getting this. And then in the middle of the really night. want to get it? Because you're like. You mean people will take a cruise on a UFO? Uh, I don't know because the cruise lines are not going because they're COVID. Uh, they're not COVID know. friendly. Yeah. I'm not sure. That's a great yeah. question though. Yeah. Um, we'll have to have them explain that. Yeah. So, okay. So there we go. There's that. Uh, other n- interesting news. So John Greenwald posted something. Yeah. yeah that- I haven't read it. I heard you talk about it. I haven't read it yet. Oops. I shouldn't have rolled my eyes. We're buddies again. <laughs> that's okay. You can have too. a. I that's just a flashback. Yeah. John yeah. Greenwald. I got so used to it that it's like, you know, I got to get used to being like, John Greenwald. And again, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Uh, but yeah, we are buddies again. UFO capital is linked yeah. to cruise ship conferences, is what it was. Um, oh, yeah. I should have known. Uh, and I thought that was going to be a funny joke. Not really. I mean, certainly it is a new budding industry. Yeah. UFO I remember cruise. Stan Friedman, Friedman went on, uh, he was telling, went on a cruise, UFO cruise. No, he was going to. I don't oh, know okay. He didn't make it. Cancel that one. Oh, okay. Um, huh. Yeah, I don't think any of those guys, I don't know. I remember that one. I was invited to do it too, actually, but. He's too close to the Congress. Yeah, mm. that must have got canceled then. Hmm. Um, yeah. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't promote both. And I don't know. I, I do like cruising, but, and no offense. <laughs> Maybe if it was my UFO cruise, I wouldn't mind if it was just my audience. But I don't know if I want to be stuck on a cruise ship with a bunch of UFO. <laughs> You know, people asking you all these wild questions when you're just trying to chill. Because, you know, <laughs> you just want to chill. Yeah. <laughs> Troy says, Martin needs a pith helmet. Yeah, there you go. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's I, funny. I, I'm a, I love cruising, too, so I do hope it comes back. But you know what? More power to them. If they want to do cruises and people want to pay to cruise with UFO people, do it. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, again, you know, I... I don't see eye tie obviously with a lot of the people in the UFO community, but a lot of them are still my friends. Um, for instance, 
Richard Dolan. If Richard Dolan, this is a good example, makes it big and makes a lot of money, he's going to be spending that money on the UFO community um, and trying to look for answers that he feel feel reveal what's going on. I mean, that's what these people do. It, I think it would be a net gain um, overall. And either way, like it or not, any popular issue is going to become an industry. Quit complaining about it. And, you know, that's the whole point. I guess that's the point of what I've been trying to say here and lately for a while is we have to be practical about things. It's you can fight rage against the machine all you want, but it's not going to change the machine. You're still going to get eaten up in the gears or you can get in there in the gears and start changing stuff, start unscrewing, changing gears. I want to put this gear instead of that gear, become part of you know, what you can do to get in there to change things to the way you think they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we have right now, the door has been opened to the UFO machine. Hey, and we can get in there and fool around. Sure, we don't have access to a lot of it. Another quote from the phenomena, Harry Reid saying, um, most of the UFO evidence hasn't been seen. That's right. I remember him saying, so, yeah. There's a lot of stuff there, uh, and hopefully, you know, if we really want seen to- the light of day, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm going to put you back on track because you were about ready to talk about a G- John Greenwald. Oh, John Greenwald thing. story. Yeah, John Greenwald found something interesting. So there was an article written by Tyler Rogaway. You probably remember this one, Martin, where he got a lot of hazard reports. Um, these are kind of like if you are a longtime, you know, listener and. Uh, reader of open minds we used to post the uk files that would come out on this and i haven't seen one in a while i should ask nick pope about that but there was a prox board in the uk where they would post reports about all the near misses meaning an aircraft that has another near miss with another aircraft Mm -hmm. Uh, what was interesting about these reports is that some of these reports the uh one of the crafts are was unidentified. And some of these reports are really interesting. Definitely, if you're interested, uh, go to Open Minds and search for the Prox, P-R-O-X board, and you'll find some really great cases. So, for instance, uh, a pilot, I remember, this is a commercial pilot who saw this triangular craft, flew towards him. He ducked. He physically ducked because he thought this thing was going to hit them. Um, and it was a triangular shaped object. So really weird cases. Um, and this hazard reports are kind of similar hazards, like near misses and stuff like that. And, um, Tyler Rogaway wrote about how he didn't see any hazard reports from 2014 and 2015. And he thought that was an issue. He wrote this article in May. Hmm. And he was surprised because he was looking, of course, for the Roosevelt, um, occurrences yeah. that, that were featured on unidentified yeah. um, and a couple pilots have come out. This was a case in which uh, these two pilots said they saw an object that looked like a cube with a, or a sphere with a cube inside of it. Uh, that That's went right. in yep. between their, their aircraft um, graves, Lieutenant graves, who was one of the pilots said he had filled out a report, but Rogaway was like, I don't see this report. Hmm. Um, but Rogo, so they got this whole list of stuff. I guess John also got those, uh, and some others have gotten those reports now. 
What was interesting is soon after Rogaway wrote his article, Leslie Kane then wrote an article on the same topic. However, she claimed that one of these incident reports was from the um, Roosevelt. The problem is, is that the date of that report is June 27th, 2013, whereas Chris Graves had said their encounters happened in 2014. Right. I off, off of Florida and then over in the in the uh, Gulf, right? Mm -hmm. So I asked Leslie about that when she wrote her article. Is a date messed up? You're saying that Graves was 2013, but in your other article it said 2014. Even on unidentified, they talked about 2014. She told me the same thing that she told, uh, she wrote on Facebook. She wrote, as we understand it, the safety officers would sometime tone down the reports to make them less mysterious. Graves confirmed that this was the incident and that the dates had been fuzzy for him since this was years ago. He estimated 2014 in the previous story but in, uh, says it must have occurred in 2013, given huh. this report. Uh, the other issue with this report is that it says that the object that was seen was missile-shaped. Really? Yeah, and that hmm. is really the big question because... It doesn't say anything about the type of shape um, that Graves explained. I'm looking for, um, yeah, he described it, a flying sphere encased, encasing a cube. Uh, I found the report from 2013. Here's what it says. The aircraft was white in color and approximately the size and shape of a drone or missile. That's what the report says. Wow. Graves says a sphere um, encasing a cube. I What John is calling out here, I think, is, um, well, he, he says he outlines two problems. Essentially here, he says. Here he goes. Why did the NYT? I wish I could do a John Greenwald impression. I really can't. He kind of, he, he, he looks serious. His voice is deeper than mine. I can lower the he bass. He can talk pretty fast too. Why did the New York Times not report or follow up on the additional information they obtained? The FOIA case by the NYT team or New York Times ultimately showed that there was no supporting evidence to the claims they put forth as the testimony was wrong or that there was no supporting evidence to the claims because their reporting was wrong. He's focused on this idea that there was no supporting evidence for what Graves talked about. I don't think that's a big deal, personally. Big deal, there's no supporting evidence. There's no supporting evidence for Fravers. There's, there's, just hmm. because there's no report on it 
or we're not being given a report, I don't think is significant. I don't think you need to report when you weren't given anything. So it's like, you know, they don't know there's any supporting evidence that may or may not be out there. Graves said he filled out a form. Doesn't mean you're going to get it when you request it on a FOIA. Um, and they did report that he did fill out the form. So I don't see that as a big deal. However, I do agree with his point here that um, they didn't report that the testimony was wrong. Um, and that's the heart of the issue. That essentially what he's claiming when he says that there was no supporting evidence to the claims because their reporting was wrong, that um, when the New York Times talked about Graves, they didn't say we never found the report that he says he filled out. Um, and then they later on didn't say, well, we did find the report, but it wasn't where we thought it was in 2014. It was in 2013 because we reported it wrong. But that's because we we're reporting what Graves told us and Graves memory is actually what was wrong. And I don't know. I don't know what you guys, what you feel about that. I think his concern is that perhaps, I think he overstates it. Don't get mad at me, John, but he well, said. What about the shape though? That's kind of strange. He says the Black Vault has long spoken out about the accuracy of mainstream media when reporting UFOs and the journalistic standards claimed by the NYT for all issues. It appears on now numerous occasions that standard has not been adhered to. I don't see that as like some big journalistic flub, uh, you know. Um, but I'm sorry, what was your question? You got to. I'll have to defer to someone in chat because I forgot. Because you what? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot what I asked. Oh, my God. I keep <laughs> but, um, oh, no, that it was a drone or a missile. Oh, well, yes. The shape. Yeah. Leslie did write that. And even with a visible smoke plume. So, I mean, in her last article, she did say that, you know, um, she, she, she didn't say, she said there was an incident report and this is what the incident report said. But let me just ask this. Wasn't there more than, there was more than just Gray, wasn't there? Graves or whatever his last name is. Wasn't there someone else that saw this too? Other people that saw this, other pilots? I don't know. You know, I don't remember uh, all the details. I know there's been other incidences, not many, where people have described a sphere with a cube inside. Um, like, could that be coincidence? I think it can be when you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, or, I mean, hundreds of thousands of reports over the years of different shapes and, ob and, and sizes of objects. Uh, Tyler Rogaway makes a point that there is a radar, a type of radar that looks very similar to that. It's some kind of jamming system or something like that, um, that that could have been. And I kind of agree. I'm, I'm not as excited, to be honest, about the Roosevelt, that one sighting. Unlike Fravers, you know, this one was something they saw in a split second. Um, as they cruised by, it was going the other way. It's not something they chased where multiple jets were in the area looking at it, like uh, like with the Fravor incident in, at, at Nimitz. So um, I don't know. I haven't. I guess I've haven't been as excited about the the, the Roosevelt case. And um, with this information, which I noted, 
In fact, to me, when I read this about the incident report, how um, what was reported in this incident report versus what Graves is saying now, I kind of thought, well, this really kind of lowers the um, importance of this sighting. Um, well, what so about, okay. I thought the gimbal, what's called the gimbal, gimbal's UFO, the, it's pretty famous, one of the ones you see a lot, that was released. I thought that was in 2014 off of Florida. Oh, yeah, you're right. Two of those videos, both of those videos are. Um, the gimbal and the what, go fast. Yeah, go fast. So that's a good point. But again, those videos don't. Yeah, gimbal was East Coast, which is what we're talking about. Roosevelt was all East Coast. Um, yep, CL is saying, uh, you know, go fast was there. And but those are just videos that I think the argument has been it's difficult to use those videos as evidence of something extremely anomalous going on. Um, and I think that's fair. Uh, I think when it comes to all three of the videos, which is true of videos and pictures when it comes to this topic anyway, on their own, they typically aren't enough on their own. They also need supporting data such as radar or witness testimony. Yeah, so Fravor makes that case, you know, so much stronger. Uh, CL says incident, Mellon has said incidents have continued, and they may have, but the, the issue is the quality of the incidents and the quality of, you know, each case. Uh, and we haven't seen most of those incidences. Whereas I really feel like, um, yeah, well, like you're saying, CL, uh, with Nimitz, when you listen to the pilot testimony, it gets weird. Yeah, we have so much evidence when it comes to Nimitz. That's why I think Nimitz is the best case by, you know, the really good one. And it's the one that's been compelling, I think, most compelling. Yeah. Um, I think it's one that's also moved the needle with the Navy and made them decide to do what they're doing. Yeah. You know, help so, decide. I don't know. What do you think? Given all of this information... Do you feel that Leslie or New York Times, Leslie Kane being one of the authors of these UFO articles for the New York Times, have made any major faux pas? Um, well, I, I, I never want to get in trouble with Leslie because I, you know, I respect her. Um, I, I think she, She's very, very careful. But again, then again, I've, you know, I tried to correct a, a couple of mistakes that I saw that she was going to make. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think it's possible she may have made a little bit of an error. Um, she's careful in real specific ways, but some things can get overlooked when there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of people involved. Yeah. I, and so, also, I mean, there could be the tendency to, and I think maybe it's just looking at things from different perspectives. Um, maybe she's not as critical as she could have been um, when writing the articles, but she is perhaps more convinced by the evidence than the readers are. 
And I think when you're doing journalism, and I think certainly my audience and some of the people listening and watching right now would agree that it can be a little frustrating when authors, even myself, I get people um, frustrated with me on this often, um, feel that I'm being too skeptical. I'm overdoing it. But I think it's important to do that because when you're making an argument, um, first of all, you want to have credibility and you have to be able to uh, demonstrate that you recognize the weaknesses in your argument That's and right. speak to those weaknesses. There's a saying in the uh, appraisal painting business and that a painting is only as good as its weakest part. Right. And, and, and that, it's a really same. good because what you're doing, in the article, yeah, right, what you're doing is very similar. You're making a case yeah. for a piece of art that may mean thousands of dollars, yes, um, yeah. or have hi historical significance. So you need to really prove your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is uh, is do you think it's equally possible that Greenwald is biased against? Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal. I don't know that he's biased, but um, I can't say for sure. I would say probably no. He's told me personally he's not because I've discussed this with him because I, you know, wondered that myself. He's told me he's not, and I don't believe that he believes he is biased. Um, I don't think he's biased, but I think that he may be disappointed in some of the way some of this has been reported, you certainly can read that into his article, especially when someone's going so far as to say they didn't uphold to journalistic standards. I wish he wouldn't use that. He's used that against me. He's used it against Knapp and others. And I just don't agree. And first of all, <laughs> um, with all re due respect, you're not a journalist. Um, so, you know, I would disagree I did, and we do disagree. In fact, we've we've had recently different debates over this very issue on on other things. So I don't agree. I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with him there, but I do understand, like you pointed out, um, and I think we've all pointed out. Maybe we would do things differently. Um, I would definitely say I would. Um, so he's frustrated. So I mean, I think it's fair for him to be frustrated, and I think it's fair for him to ask for people to do better. It always is. And I certainly, you know, I get that. You get that, I'm sure. And I don't mind if people are making, you know, legit points. I I appreciate it. Even if they're total jerks yeah. about it, it'll be like, well, they're right. I'm kind of bummed that they hate me over it because I'll correct it uh, yeah. if I can. But, uh, but, you know, they're right. And, and that happens to me all the time. Yeah, which which I like it. You know, we all learn that way. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then he, someone else, and then CL, CL, you're asking some great great questions. Where you been? I don't even know if you've been in here before. Do I think that Helen Lou mentioning cell phone videos is a lie? That somebody got some kind of cell phone video? Uh, no. My point is, people can say whatever they want. Hal, Lou, people uh, I trust, Martin the president doesn't mean I'm going to believe you or, or, you know, be like until you can show it to me until it, you, it, we can use it to actually do something with. It's just a story. 
Um, myself, I mean, if it's anecdotal, it's anecdotal. In fact, if I had a really good sighting, I'd probably only tell a few people um, because it's just anecdotal. I don't expect you to have to believe me. And you don't need to believe me. And in fact, don't use my anecdotal information as evidence for because it's not. Anecdotal inf information sucks. But uh, if I can provide you with more evidence, radar, multiple witnesses, photos, video, that's different. You know, anybody need to have, uh, and, you know, the, the difference with a Fravor, for example, is he has an expertise there when it comes to, you know, aviation technology. Sure. Uh, and I would say is a professional witness, you know, a lot of yeah. military people are trained to observe and identify aircraft. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So that's, that's the difference, I think. Yeah. But yeah, interesting stuff going on. There is. There is another full week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. And then where things are going, I don't know. So I really hope that the phenomenon does, like, extremely well. I hope it, like, yeah. goes gangbusters, personally. Me too. And, you know, it's – I feel bad for James, you know, because this was all set to go in theater. And from what I understood, the audio is just uh, from the people who have listened to it in a theater. The audio is just amazing and mm -hmm. which would have been really good to, you know, be sitting in a theater and and, and watching it that way. And it's, it, you know, maybe someday, but not right now. I've heard a couple of people complain and I would love to hear. I think this was even in the CNN article. They complained that it was a very serious and great documentary but that the recreations um, kind of cheapened the whole thing that they hmm. were cartoony and they um, took away from the effectiveness of the documentary. Hmm. I didn't, I didn't get that impression. Maybe if I watch it again, I might, I wasn't, it, that didn't jump out at me. The thing that jumped out at me was um, Chris Mellon's collar unbuttoned. <laughs> and then the guy texting in the background behind uh, when Harry Reid was getting uh, interviewed. I saw this guy texting. Oh. Isn't that funny? Yeah, Harry Reid's aide just sits there and she's texting. Uh, I don't right like that. I would, I would have uh, cropped that out of there. <laughs> Actually, because I've talked to James a few times in the last few days, and he told me, because I was laughing about that too, and he said that they were just kind of being jerky. It was hard for him to get the meeting and that – you know, they just plopped down there and they just like really quickly gave him a little corner to do their uh, interview in. And he took it. He was taking whatever he could get, which I don't sure. blame. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't too distracted by it. At first, I was kind of like I was mad at them. I was like, why couldn't they just get out of the way and let James do this yeah. interview? Yeah. Um, but uh, and then at the end, I was kind of like, it's still it's kind of cool, actually. It's kind of like I just want to know if anyone else noticed the collar on button on one side. Chris Mellon. Anyone else notice? Is it just me? Do I have problems? <laughs> I think it's just you. Yeah. But as far as the cartooniness, I get it because of the documentary nature of it. Um, but I think this is what people were looking for, especially newsy people. And in a way, I, I agree. I especially felt this way with Jeremy Corbell's videos, to be honest, is that it would be really nice um, if someone started, and in fact, I, I think I'm going to start to do more of this to make these 
interviews more newsy, more like 60 Minutes or more like a CNN documentary, you know, more uh, serious where it's about the information and the interviews. Um, oh, I know, see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because I think that has a really big impact on the credibility and the seriousness of the issue. And I think James was going for something else, a more typical documentary, but I, I do crave that style, the regular news documentary style of presentation um, when it comes to UFO cases. I do feel similar in that I wish somebody was doing that. Um, I do want to mention, it, but not as far as a full documentary, but yeah, of course he does great. He does fantastic news pieces. Yes. I do want to mention though also one other thing that's in the film for the person that hasn't seen it, or maybe someone that hasn't seen it, but didn't realize this, but there is some footage there from when Lee Spiegel did the um, UFOs at the UN when it was part of the Granada situation. I don't know if you've, you must've talked to Lee about this in the past. Um, so there's some footage in there that was, that was found recently lost footage for 40 years. That's in there of Jacques Vallée, uh, J. Allen Hynek, all that great stuff. You know, I'm shaking my head because what people don't realize is what a journey this movie's been. And uh, you being friends with these guys, me having a little bit to do with the production of this, very small. It was supposed to be larger, but it just never worked out. But still, I did help them here and there. Um, but I was also credits. surprised yeah. of what was going on. So I'm talking to Lee and James the whole way. And there were so many spectacular things. So, for instance, when he got to get a ride in that bomber that was yeah. used at the beginning for that beginning. Yeah. Um, he sent me pictures and a video when he did that. Yeah. He's like, guess where I'm at? And he sends this selfie and then this video of it. I still have it on my phone. Um, and then, you know, going to China, um, and all of these different things. And then I did help at, when we were looking for the UN files, the video, because actually I had found it and I had let them know where I found it. And I had requested that these, you know, for some of the video and it was really expensive. And then. Um, they went through this process and found this outlet for the, this film. And this is extraordinary. So before this, Open Minds had like some of the only video from the UN UFO presentation from 1978 when, um, yeah, like you said, Granada was trying to get this done through the UN to investigate UFOs. Lee Spiegel then came in and helped them do an AV presentation. He brought in Jacques Vallée. Um, he and and um, J. Allen Hynek as some of the main consultants to help him do this, uh, and they did it. And we had some footage that was that Antonio had gotten from this guy named Von Von Kaminsky. He's a Russian, former Russian uh, UFO researcher, and uh, since has passed away. But he was at that meeting and he did some filming. So we posted that film oh. on uh, YouTube. And it's been up on YouTube for a while. And that's been the only video. 
So mm -hmm. Lee's been looking for this video for a while and maybe they'll tell this story. Hopefully they don't mind me telling the story. I don't think they'll mind. Um, and it was, uh, uh, James's sister. And I Kelly. think even if you look in the credits, they list her under the archival footage because yeah. she was the one who actually found the footage and where they could get it and was able to help them acquire all of that video. And it is the entire thing. It's the entire yeah. UN presentation that was filmed by CBS, I guess, uh, that Lee had sponsored. And it it's CBS, yeah. and clear video and audio. Extraordinary. And all we get, you know, all of these amazing things happen and we're all like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is so crazy. This is so cool. And then the film comes out and there's like 30 seconds. <laughs> you know? You're right. It's for little bits and pieces. Yeah. Just like the bomber. You know, there's only a few minutes of that at the beginning of the film. So all of these little pieces and parts were all extraordinary efforts to get all of these things completed and done and when they happened we were like oh my god this is amazing when he got the podesta interview all of this stuff and well, it's i wonder if so that's funny. in the extras if you buy the movie if you can, yeah. if that's part of the extras that would be interesting well, i've told him because he's like what am i going to do with all this footage keep doing more extras you know um our friend uh who did that phoenix lights movie um tim oh no no tim i know um, what you mean but anyway, he was, he, that's what he specializes. He's a, he's a game maker. Yeah. And they what specialize is his name? Yeah. in um, making these entire environments around games. So they, when you release a game, you also release all these videos and this, sur this surrounding environment. So you create this world. Um, so, uh, so hopefully they will do that. I think they will. And I've talked to Lee about ideas about what to do with that video. And I think at some point they're going to be able to release it because it's really, really cool. Um, I mean, that was a significant event. And I was so excited to see that video, and I'm so excited to see more of it. Um, they, I, they've got like Jacques Vallée's presentation, Heineck's yeah. uh, presentation, all of this stuff. Coin, Lieutenant Coin, who... Uh, the helicopter pilot. I mean... Yeah, I tweeted yeah. this recently, an incredible case. Um, yes, so, yeah, I love that case. Yeah. Oh, someone says, eventually, I wish they had released that bonus footage. I can't buy the movie twice, so they must have got the movie without the bonus. Yes, there's a lot of people very disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten a, a few emails. And uh, I tried to get, I worked with a production company, um, someone over there, and they said, well, we'll be glad to send you, which I didn't even buy it yet. I mean, I, was, I got the screener. And I said, no, I, I, said, I have a friend that bought it at amazon can you pass it here's his email and he said no can't do that so it's mm. too bad because it's almost a makes a like a hint of false advertising in a way you know, i know that it is get really it. frustrating and i i yeah. totally sympathize with that frustration if it yeah. were me i would be really frustrated too and to yeah. be honest if i hadn't have gotten a screener um i would have bought it because i don't like going to james hey Give me the video. I would yeah. rather support him and pay for it. Yeah. Because at yeah. least you're I'm another, still gonna do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're another check mark saying yeah. yeah, and I'm gonna do I'm gonna, it. Too. I'm gonna buy an Apple TV. But if I had bought it 
with I would say get Vimeo. But if I had bought it without um, knowing that, I would have been frustrated too. I mean, you're going to buy an Apple TV device. I have I have Apple TV on my computer. Oh, you already have it. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. And on my Roku. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I guess that is about it. Uh, I should say, you know, I didn't have a Rojas report this week because that was supposed to be Kevin Knuth. That he was going to be my interview. Uh -huh. um, but Kevin is in New York where they had these major storms. His power is still out. So I was oh, going to wow. interview him Wednesday, but his power went out. And uh, I guess it's still out. So we've still got to arrange that. But we will get that done as soon as possible. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do that this weekend. Um, worst case, we'll do it sometime next week. However, I have my interview with... Um... Oh, no. Maybe I'll do Kevin next week. I'll do two. But my point is I'm going to have... Kevin Knuth and another interview. I was going to say James Fox, but I forgot my interview with James Fox is, I think it is next week. We Mine's on the 20th. Um, I want to say hi to people Friday. in the chat. Just all you people in the chat, thanks for hanging out. Uh, Bim Jim, you're always uh, um, on my shows. It's good to see you uh, and uh, several others. And great comments today, everyone. Thanks for showing up. Yeah, thank you all so much for showing up. Um, thank you. And uh, yeah, so keep stay tuned. And I'll have a couple interviews coming this week soon here. And all is good. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. You too, buddy. Martin, hang you yeah. have a good weekend. You too, sir. All right, and everyone. So, so until next time. Next time. Ready? Adios. Yeah. Adios. Much Chachos. Chachos. Oh.